0: Inside into the world of Lady Tills Curious.
1: Today is Columbus Day. The second Monday of each October became a legal federal holiday in 1971 and was celebrated first in 1792 by the Society of St. Tammany. But hold up! Not everybody views today as Columbus Day, Yes, we are going to delve into the world of Indigenous Peoples Day on not just a historical level, but a scientific level as well. We're going so deep and so far back in time that I brought my drink of choice with me today, and yes, it is an old-fashioned. Are you ready for this? If you have your drink in hand and you're ready to continue, cheers! and here we go. Columbus may have sailed the ocean blue in 1492 and landed in the Americas, but as many of you likely know, he was not the first person to discover America. In fact, archaeological evidence shows African and Europeans inhabiting some parts well before the arrival of Native Americans. Other explorers from Europe and Iberia, such as Leif Erikson, also ventured this way. Some historians believe that the Americas might be a lot older than we think they are. As a result of new evidence and old evidence, many people believe that Columbus Day should be changed to Indigenous Peoples Day. Some places have already stopped recognizing this holiday and replaced it with Indigenous People's Day since 1992. I think celebrating historical milestones is very important, as long as we have the history straight. And it's getting the history straight that is so difficult, especially when historical figures are so prominent. Columbus Day is celebrated in many other places around the world, places such as Italy, Spain, and the Caribbean. Not to mention, how many places are named after the famed explorer and Christian evangelist? Like the country of Columbia, for instance. Many believe, due to Columbus arriving here in America, the already treacherous times became even more treacherous, and honoring his name is not paying the proper respect to the indigenous people of America. The more time historians and archaeologists spend researching America's history, the more new evidence is uncovered, pointing to the theory that perhaps the history of America is not what we think it is. A few months ago, I heard an episode of Joe Rogan's podcast that featured Graham Hancock as the guest, and it completely blew my mind. I learned a lot of history in school, and what he was telling everyone on this podcast was very different than the history that I learned. I immediately started researching and have continued researching to this day. And in today's podcast, a lot of the research is going to come from Graham Hancock's books, New Scientific, the Smithsonian, some other scientific journals, and I will list all of the links, all of the books and the show notes afterwards. In honor of Indigenous Peoples Day, we are going to attempt to travel back in time and learn more about the theories surrounding the hidden history of America. Let's start with Ancient Egypt. We're all a fan of the Ancient Egyptians. There's something just incredibly mysterious about them. When you look at the hieroglyphs, it looks very different than the art that we have today. And many people just feel like they are called to the ancient Egyptian beliefs. But did you know that many of the hieroglyphs in ancient Egypt mirror the images that are often found in Native American images and paintings and art? Some of these, which are eerily similar, are a monstrous winged serpent of the netherworld, a woman goddess who is a brain smasher or a brain taker. She is tasked with removing the memory or the brains from those who are damned. A portal for souls to reach Orion's belt. And once you have reached Orion, then you may ascend to the Milky Way in your afterlife. An underwater panther from the Native Americans, which is crazy similar to the Great Sphinx. And both cultures have a birdman, or you may know him as the god Horus from ancient Egypt. Both ancient Egypt and the Skiddy Pawnee have a role within their civilizations that is known as the chief of astronomers. This is someone who was responsible with knowing how the sky worked, knowing the astronomy, knowing the planets, knowing the stars, the sun, the moon, and all of that. There was a specific role that was called the chief of astronomers in both of these cultures. Now, what's interesting about all of this is that, supposedly, there was no communication between Egypt and America. Yet, these figures and these traditions are exactly the same. For many years, scientists have believed that our ancestors have traveled across the Bering Strait. However, recent genetics have shown that in the Amazon... There's a genetic signal that was found, and it matches the ancestors of Australians and Melanesians, also known as Australasians. This indicates that people may have traveled across the Pacific during the last Ice Age. Maps from earlier civilizations show Antarctica as far back as the Mercator maps in the 1500s. The Pinkerton map of 1818 is missing Antarctica because... Supposedly, we didn't discover it until 1819. Perry Reese based his map on a hundred older source maps. Curiously, Perry Reese's map shows a landmass that was once above water during the last ice age and shows us that there were people documenting and mapping the world during this time. So here we have all of these ancient maps that are showing... Antarctica, that are showing these land masses that used to exist, and they used to be over water, and now they're underwater, and you can actually dive and go see them. We were all taught that ancient civilizations did not have this kind of technology. We didn't discover Antarctica until 1819. This is all being proven wrong. Let's go back to some more similarities between Egypt and the Americas. Let's go back to some more similarities between Egypt and the Americas. The pyramids are aligned true north. This in itself is a feat because there's a lot of mathematics that go into aligning something to true north. There's also similar geometry in both the Amazon earthworks and the pyramids of Giza. I'm sure you've heard of Stonehenge before. I've actually had the privilege of visiting Stonehenge And there's just something truly magical about it. The way the stones are aligned to match the solstices and the equinox, the way it draws people from every culture, and when you hear the stories behind it, it's really mystical, magical, and it almost feels like it's calling to your soul. In one of Hancock's lectures, he speaks about the marriage between Earth and sky, he also mentions the saying, as above, so below, which is actually a saying that we discussed a little bit in last week's episode. There is a marriage between Earth and sky when you look at the stones because of the way that they're aligned. When you visit the stones during a solstice or an equinox, you can see the sun at daybreak and it aligns just over certain stones within the hinge. It's designed like that on purpose. Now there's other hinges throughout the world that have the same design. A new hinge has been unearthed in the Amazon with a very similar design and it's made to match the summer and winter solstice. In Ohio, there are three different areas that celebrate the similar marriage. There's the Serpent Mound, the High Bank Works, and the Newark Earthworks. Many similar geometric patterns of squares within circles or circles within squares have been replicated at Newark. In Illinois, you can find Monk's Mound, which is the largest pyramid city north of Mexico. I bet you didn't even know there was a pyramid city north of Mexico. There is also a wood hinge in the nearby area adjacent to Monk's Mound. This just goes to show that there were people in the Native American culture who were very skilled at development, architecture, mapping, landscaping, and astronomy. You had to know mathematics. You had to plan this out. You had to align these structures in a certain way for them to match up with the sun at these specific times throughout the year. But how old might these mounds and these earthworks be? In Poverty Point, which is in Louisiana, Mound A can be traced to 2,500 years old. Below Poverty Point is Lower Jackson Mound, which is even older. 3,500 BC is when it was dated. Continuing to date more of the Mississippi Valley mounds, even older to 7,500 to 8,000 years old, past 5,000 BC, there are theories that certain areas may be older than this, but at this point in time, it's hard to say without more research being done. There are some areas in the Amazon that have been dated to 13,000 years ago. This brings us to some common beliefs about how civilization began. What did you learn in school? I was taught that humans originated in Mesopotamia. From Mesopotamia, they branched out, came across the Bering Strait, and came down through North America into South America. And this is kind of the mainstream belief system. This is what most people are taught and what most people actually believe but the genetics that we spoke about earlier are dismantling that theory, literally bringing that theory to the ground and crushing it. You may have heard of the Clovis culture before. Archaeologists have long held that 13,400 years ago, the Clovis culture came down from the Bering Strait and they were the original Native Americans. Most believed that there were not any humans before the Clovis culture in America. So as a result, many archaeologists never really digged past what was considered to be the Clovis level and the ground. I'm sure you're beginning to recognize a theme here by now. (laughs) What we once thought was true in history has been proven otherwise yet again. The Smithsonian admits the following, the Clovis First model has collapsed. We know that people slaughtered mastodons, made all purpose stone tools that were almost like exacto knives in the Ice Age, and the Bluefish Cave has humans that butchered animals 24,000 years ago. There's also the case of Topper in South Carolina, which is dated 50,000 years ago. Now we have all of this evidence that shows people were here long before history has taught us. So what now? What do we do with this knowledge? What do we do with this knowledge? What happened to these people? With 130,000 of human prehistory, which only 13,000 years have really been accounted for and studied, who knows what we have missed? It's our duty to go Out there and study and uncover all these pieces of history, we may find links to our ancestry that we never knew about before. Let's get into what may have happened. The black mat is a dark line in the earth's ground. When you are excavating. You've probably seen pictures before of archaeologists excavating, and there's different layers in the dirt. The black mat is a dark line in the earth's dirt that is containing minerals and chemicals that are indicative of a cosmic impact. Basically, archaeologists have found this line in the dirt that show us a comet may have impacted the Earth. Because of these findings, a group of scientists formed the Younger Dryas Impact Hypothesis. This is still an incredibly controversial hypothesis, but hang tight while I explain so you can draw your own conclusions. Basically, this hypothesis states that fragments of a very large comet or asteroid struck North America about 12,800 years ago, right around when the Clovis culture disappeared. Coincidentally, there are no ancient civilizations that view comets as a good thing. The last piece that fell out of the Torrid meteor shower, for example, was in 1908. This is known as the Tunguska event. Have you ever heard of it before? No one was killed, so you may not have heard of it before, but a piece burst in the sky over Siberia and it flattened millions of trees within a 2,000 kilometer radius. Now the earth passes through the torrid shower in June and November. Some scientists believe the Torch Shower is a remnant of a larger comet that was around thousands of years ago. You would think we as humans would be studying this more and paying more attention to these astronomical events, especially if this event that happened in 1908 that just happened to explode over Siberia, an unpopulated area. Imagine what would have happened if it had exploded over a populated city. The devastation is unimaginable, and this was an event that did not even hit the ground. This piece of the meteor shower came through the Earth's atmosphere and exploded in the air, and had the capacity, had the capacity to flatten millions of trees. Imagine if this happened over Atlanta, or over New York City, or Los Angeles. The Younger Dryas period presents a mystery. Before the Younger Dryas, the world had been warming up, and then all of a sudden, you have this crazy deep freeze that happens for 1,200 years, and then temperatures go back up again. This is also when the megafaunal extinction occurs. There's evidence for some epic flooding in North America. Hancock assures us that if there were civilizations in North America before this flood, which is very likely based on current evidence, not a bit of them would remain because of how intense the flood is or was. Major rocks from Canada were moved through the flood and icebergs to the Pacific Northwest. These rocks are thousands of tons to put it into perspective for you so this wasn't just some little flood caused by some river that overflowed this was a huge flood that was able to move insanely large rocks from canada to washington and oregon and upper california area i love the example of dry falls In one of Hancock's presentations, he puts a picture of Niagara Falls into dry falls, and Niagara Falls is nothing compared to dry falls. It really, really puts it in perspective for you. I'll link it in the show notes, and you can look at the image yourself, and it will truly help you understand how magnificent this flood was. Recently, in Greenland, a 19-mile-wide crater was found, and underneath the crater is Pleistocene ice. This leads scientists to believe that the crater is around 12,800 years old. This of course has not been proven scientifically yet, so these are just theories being bounced around. But if it does end up being 12,800 years old, this is all some really compelling evidence. The Comet Research Group, who is this group of scientists behind the Younger Dryas Hypothesis, is doing all they can to study the above and the below. That is the astronomy as well as the archaeology. Quick little side note, their tagline on their site is amazing. Here it is. Think our last space attack was 65 million years ago from the Dinosaur Killer asteroid? Think again. Killer comets are more common than you've been taught. At CRG, our mission is to prove it and to do something about it before your city is next. Their research is very interesting. Perhaps the flood that swept North America is the same flood that is mentioned in the Bible. Perhaps the events recorded in the Bible as... The destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah was actually a comet entering the atmosphere and exploding in the air. If it exploded in the air, it would produce fire that would appear as if it was raining down fire from the sky. And remember how we talked about how there are grains of truth in every story? So what ended the Younger Dryas? Scientists postulate that another cosmic event happened at the end of the Younger Dryas, causing the quick warming throughout the Earth. Now here is where things get incredibly interesting, in my opinion. Native Americans referred to North America as Turtle Island. Hancock asks if Turtle Island, aka North America, could be the fabled Lost Atlantis. So I'm going to let Hancock explain this because he just says it so well and goes into depth with some of Plato's teachings and everything. So I'm going to play this clip from one of his lectures and it just really listen to it because it really makes you wonder. Okay, here we go.
0: We have meltwater pulse 1b at the end of the Younger Dryas and this is the point where I need to ask was Turtle Island, and that's the name that Native Americans give to North America, could Turtle Island have been the fabled and much scoffed at lost continent, lost civilization of Atlantis? Because that date 11,600 years ago, 9,600 BC, is precisely the date that Plato gives us for the destruction and flooding of Atlantis. And I can show you how he gives it to us, Uh, Plato, Uh, Appears to have got the story through his ancestral line through the Greek lawmaker Solon who visited Egypt in 600 BC uh, And was there told by the priests the story of Atlantis and how it had been destroyed by flooding Uh, And when Solon asked the priests, Solon asked the priests when when did this happen? When was Atlantis uh, swallowed up by the sea? When when did it vanish and they answered rather a matter-of-factly 9,000 years ago That was in 600 BC. That's 9,600 BC. That's 11,600 years ago. That is Meltwater Pulse 1b. If Plato made the whole story up, as archaeologists claim, he was astonishingly on the money with the latest scientific evidence about the end of the last ice age.
1: With all of this incredibly compelling evidence, I would love to hear your thoughts and hypothesis. What do you think? Is America the lost Atlantis? Were civilizations more advanced than we realized? At any rate, there are a few things that we can take away from this discussion. Ancient civilizations across the entire world shared beliefs that the soul entered the afterlife through Orion and traveled into the Milky Way. Do we have some extraterrestrial ancestors that helped guide us there? Something to think about. Also, Incredibly advanced civilizations were in the Americas long before Christopher Columbus. Massive cosmic events happen on Earth that change the world and the world's climate, and we should be paying more attention to cosmic events. Humans are more connected to each other than we often realize, even on a genetic level. We should be trying to work together more instead of fighting each other. Technological advancement does not equal survival. I feel like many millennials have realized this, as many of us have started picking up trades, crafts, hobbies that are more geared towards survival rather than wealth and popularity. There are also so many things in this episode that I would love to explore further, some of which are the legend of Atlantis, but just in a little bit more detail, of course. (laughs) Also, the brain smasher that I mentioned earlier, the Milky Way being a road for all souls or a pathway for all souls, and one thing Hancock mentioned in his lectures but I didn't really get into here today was the use of ayahuasca. I feel like each of these could be episodes or even series on their own depending on how in-depth the subjects are. What intrigues me even further is that there seems to be a common theme from this week and last week's episode, and I didn't even do that on purpose. That is the belief of as above, so below. Coincidence? Maybe. Or is the universe speaking to us? Until next time, stay curious.